You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. You know, I pray, and I know other churches do this as well, and, and man, and, and I sincerely pray, and, and I, you know, it, you know, I don't play games with God. You know, if he doesn't have a word for our church or doesn't want to give me anything, then I'm like, okay, we don't need a, we don't have to have a word for the year. Uh, man, we got the word all year, right? But, you know, he does speak to me from time to time about these things, and I've been pressing and praying and saying, God, if you have something. And he very clearly said, look up Hebrews 4.14, and, uh, you know, I didn't know exactly what that said. I haven't memorized the entire Bible, but uh, I didn't know exactly what it said. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look that up. And, and I believe this is a word from, uh, from the Lord for our church. I don't, um, I don't listen to, I, I don't do this out of pride or anything like that. Uh, uh, but I just don't listen to a lot of other pastors preach um, I mean, I study, and, and I listen to some uh, on certain topics that I preach on. I'll listen to sermons and messages on uh, very topical-based. But I don't listen to people say, do you know this person? Do you know this pastor? This guy's awesome, and this is, you know, this guy's so much better than you, Pastor Troy. I mean, it's what people tell me all the time. And so, but, uh, and I'm okay with that. There are people who are better preachers than me. That's fine. But I don't listen to a lot of that. I don't. Uh, I like, I want it to be fresher. Uh, I want to speak what God wants to speak to our church and to our community. Not every community is the same. And every, almost the entire New Testament are letters to different churches. And they're dealing with different issues and different problems that we can identify with together. But at the same time, they're specific uh, to those churches as well. And, and we learn from that. And even in Revelations, when he writes to the seven churches in Revelations, each one of them had something they did good, and each one of them had something they had to repent for. And so, uh, you know, God wants to deal with churches individually. That's my point. And, and so... Um, because I know that, that's why I don't listen and try to get in the flow of all these other teachers and preachers and even other pastors are like, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And this guy, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not pride. It's, I guarantee it's not that. It's just, man, I just, I'm not, I'm not trying to get to know everybody and know everything. I want to hear from God for our church and for our community and for our state. And so, um, and I believe I have. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true, for we have a magnificent king priest. We have a magnificent king priest. Another translation of the verse says, we have a great high priest. A great high priest. Well, that's really important, because that's saying the spiritual leader, uh, our spiritual leader is the greatest and most awesome spiritual leader of all mankind. Now, we already know that's true, but sometimes we need to be reminded that Jesus is the Lord. Heaven's his throne and earth is his footstool. He's the Lord of lords and king of kings. He is the great high priest, and he's ours. Let me say it again, he's ours. And then he says, explains kind of why it's talking about this. It says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailties. He understands humanity, for as a man, 
our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way just as we are and conquered sin. You know, there's this teaching, and I, wanna, I just want to caution you. I'm going to teach a lot more about this. In the end of January, I'm going to teach on revelations on the end times and things that are coming, things that are happening right now, things that are coming that you're not even aware of. But there's things happening and things coming around the world and in America that we need to be prepared for <coughs> and that we need to be ready to overcome. So I think it's really interesting that the word for 2023 is Jesus is the overcomer. And I'll, I'll read the last verse here in just a moment. That'll be really encouraging. But um, I want to talk a little bit about these advertisements that someone has paid a lot of money for is that this Jesus gets us stuff. Uh, it was, it's, they, they, they have a billion dollars. Someone has given them a billion dollars, and they were all over. They had the, they had the most ads in the, in the most expensive ads during the college football thing, Jesus gets us. And they're really kind on the surface. They're very kind. On the surface, they look really Christian. But I want to warn you. I want to warn you. Be real careful with groups like this. They're not church affiliated, and they're prideful in that. We're not affiliated with a church. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a red flag to me. That number one is a red flag. Why? Because you always have to be submitted to spiritual leadership. They don't have any spiritual leadership. That's a red flag to me. I've always had spiritual leadership. I would always encourage you to have spiritual leadership. You don't have somebody that, that can speak into your life spiritually, you're in trouble right off the bat. You'll end up goofy. You'll end up believing stuff that's not true. You'll end up goofed up. You'll end up off on some side tangent of, of so-called Christianity, and you'll be ineffective in the kingdom. You always have to have some kind of spiritual authority. Always. That's a principle of God. That's not my principle. That's not your principle. That's God's principle. Now, we can make it our principle. And so that, that, that always concerns me is they have no spiritual leadership. It's a group, supposedly a group of people. They're also connected with Christianity Today, a magazine that used to be incredibly supportive of Christianity now is completely, completely gone the way of the Antichrist. I mean completely. Completely crossed over. And that's the day we kind of live in is that we're seeing people who used to call themselves Christians in groups that the leadership has died off and now people have taken over and they've, they've turned against God in the name of God. They're against God's word. And I just want to caution you with these entities and these organizations to be really careful. Just like this, this, this TV series out called The Chosen. I started to watch it. I was encouraged to watch it. I started to watch it. I, I got through one of them, started the second one, did not, there's something wrong. There's, I just sense there's something off here. Now I know that they have Jesus in one of the episodes quoting the Book of Mormon. Guys, listen, everything that says it's Christian is not Christian. Even people who say they're Christian aren't always Christian. Well, how do we know? The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. The first fruit I look at is, are they submitted to any spiritual authority? That group, Jesus Gets Us, is not submitted, submitted to any spiritual authority. Then they said, in this latest commercial, and I, I don't know why I'm, I didn't talk about this in first service, but I want to talk about this with you. They said this, that, that, that Joseph and Mary were refugees, and, and that Jesus was a refugee. Now, when they went to Bethlehem, they were not refugees. They were in their own country. 
going back to their original hometown. They weren't refugees. When they went to Egypt, yeah, they, they, they weren't Egyptians, but they were pretty wealthy. They didn't cross over each. They had gold, frankincense, and myrrh worth a fortune. In today's dollars, $100 million. <laughs> because it freaks people out because we always see Jesus as poor. Jesus was a giver. You have to have something to give to be a giver, right? He left. We know this is biblical. I'm not telling you something that's not true. The wise men gave him frankincense, gold, and myrrh. The frankincense's myrrh was worth more than the gold. He was wealthy. And then he told Joseph in a dream right after that, go to Egypt. He, he, he entered into Egypt, not as some guy, Joseph and Mary struggling, dragging their, their poor, uh, you know, hungry uh, bodies across the uh, 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 national line, a border. I'm sure they left in style. They had money and they lived well. Man, that's shocking to religious people. Man, guys, we have to read the Bible. Wait, religion will change everything. But if you just read the word, you'll see that this is, I'm telling you the truth. You don't have to take my word for it. Read it for yourselves. But I want to caution you. I want to caution you of submitting and believing some of this stuff until it's proven out. I always research when I see movements like this, who's behind it? Be real careful. Be extremely careful. Always go to the B-I-B-L-E. Then Jesus says this. He says in verse 16, so now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned. We go freely, everybody say freely, freely. and boldly. It's free. Jesus paid the price. It wasn't free to him. It's kind of like it's kind of like government assistance. You know, it's free to some people, but it's not free to everybody. Someone paid for it, right? And so, it, listen, it's free to us. His throne of grace is free to us, but it didn't mean someone didn't pay a price for our admission. He paid the price for our admission. So he said, "Come freely and boldly." Where to his throne of grace? Then he said this, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. I'm telling you, I believe that God is saying, listen, I'm your great high priest and this is why I'm your great high priest. Because I faced everything you have ever faced at the highest of level of temptation, the highest of level of pain, the highest of level of death, the highest level of torture. I faced all of it and I overcame it all. So you can come to me and I'm, I'm not only gonna help you, encourage you, comfort you and love on you, but I'm gonna pour my grace out on you. What is grace? Strength to overcome. I believe 2023 is a year of overcoming. I believe we're entering into it today. And I don't, I don't, I don't claim that's a word for the whole world or for the, any other church. But if you're, you're a member here and you consider yourself, your heart is connected here. How do I become a member? Your heart is connected to our heart. That's how you become a member of Church on the Move. You stand with us, you agree with us, you serve, you support us, and we support you and we serve, we serve each other, amen? That's how you become a member of Church on the Move. If your heart is with it, that's, that word is for you. This is a year to overcome. I'm excited. 
I said, I'm excited about 2023. There's going to be some, some great victories, some tremendous victories. So then how do we start off the year? We always start off our year with 21-day fast. We start off with a 21-day fast. Why? Well, because we can get dull. What does that mean? Well, let's look at the Scripture. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. You know, Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying that if someone gave me uh, a tree to cut down and they gave me six hours to cut the tree down, he said I'd spend the first four sharpening my blade and the last two cutting the tree down. And there's a story, there's several stories uh, told from different, I don't know if any of them are true, but there's several stories about an older man who cut down trees and a young man that cut down trees had a contest. And the young man outworked the old man. He outworked him. That old man would cut trees, then take a break. Cut trees, then take a break. Cut trees, then take a break. And the young man was just kicking his rear the whole time until the end when the young guy ran out of steam and the old guy just kept chopping wood and in the end, the older guy won. The young guy's like, how in the world did you beat me? I was outworking you. He said, because I was outsmarting you. He said, you thought I was just taking a break. I wasn't just taking a break. I was sharpening my ax. That's called wisdom. And what, what does wisdom bring? Oh, come on, church. What does wisdom bring? Success. Wisdom brings success, and that's why we start off fasting, because life can get dull. Just like an axe head can get dull, our life can get dull, our routines can get dull, our marriage can get dull, our jobs can get dull, our relationship with God can get dull. And all of us have probably at one time or another been dull. Maybe not. Maybe you're really dull. No, I'm kidding. But we've all, all of us will experience this in what, some area or another or one place or another, me, you, all of us will experience it. So what do we got to do? We have to stop and sharpen the edge of the blade. How do we sharpen our lives? Spiritually. We sharpen the deepest part of us. And that sets the edge for everything else in our life. That sets the edge for everything else in our life. So we start off 21 days of fasting. We start Wednesday, this Wednesday. Now, I'm not going to get into right now the types of fasts you can, you can uh, fast or what you need to fast. Or Some people can't fast food for medical reasons. They can't fast food. Others um, uh, have different issues and have to have different dietary uh, uh, things. Listen. If you can't fast food, there's always something you can fast. What is fasting in its simplest terms is it's denying your flesh and focusing on your spirit. And it's not enough just to say no to something. You know, the guy who sharpened his axe, he didn't just say no to a dull axe and say, well, I'm not going to chop any trees because the axe is dull. No, he went and sharpened the axe. So it's not enough to say no to something. We have to say yes to something. You know, God's the God of yes. He said, all of my promises are yes. He's got 10 basic no's, and he's got a thousands of yeses. 
A lot of people, religion will flip him the other way. He's got a thousand no's in, a, in a, just one or two yeses. No, it's the exact opposite of God. But he wants to say, he wants to say, wants us to say no to our flesh, but yes to him. So it's not enough to say, I'm gonna fast, uh, let's say you fast breakfast, but you don't spend any time with him during that time. Well, I'm not gonna eat, but I'm gonna go do this, this, and another thing. I'm gonna just get busy so I don't think about food. No, and, and let me say this too. If I asked you, say, hey, what are you fast? You say, I'm fasting breakfast. If I said, hey, do you even eat breakfast? You say, no, I don't ever eat breakfast. Well, that's not fasting. That's not denying your flesh. You know, you, you can't say to me, I'm fasting video games. And I'll say, do you ever play video games? No, I've never played one video game. You're not fasting. So you got to say no to something that, you, that your flesh craves, that your flesh wants, and say yes to God and actually spend that time with God. So like if you're fasting lunch at work, you need to go get in your car or get someplace quietly, turn on some praise and worship music and get your Bible out and actually spend time seeking God. It's not enough just to say no to the dullness. You have to say yes to the sharpness. You have to get, to sharpen an ax, you need some oil and you need a rock or you know whatever they use to sharpen axes to sharpen metal. You need that, that, that other piece that sharpens uh, the blade and you need oil and you need stuff. Listen, we need the presence of God. The oil is the Holy Spirit and we need the word of God. That is the rock that sharpens us. We need those two things in that moment. So when you say no to our flesh and yes to the spirit and sharpen, take some time to sharpen yourself, to start off the new year with a sharp ax. God wants to bring you some success. I mean, it's amazing how many times God talks about how to be successful. And it always, it's, it always comes down to his word and his spirit. He said, if you meditate day and night on my word, he said, you'll make your way successful. The natural flow of your life when you spend time in his presence and you spend time in his word, the natural flow of your life will lead to success. It doesn't mean you won't have any failures, but even in those you'll learn, overcome, and build on those to become successful. And I'm not just talking about successfully financially. That's not what I'm just talking about, even though that's, that might be part of it. I'm talking about successful in a relationship, successful parenting, successful, I mean, in all kinds of other areas, but number one, just closer to God. Because when you get closer to God, you will become, you'll have more success. Why? Because you'll be wiser. I said you'll be wiser. Let me read you some, some things here. A dull axe makes for, for more work. A dull axe makes for more work. A dull axe is much more dangerous than a sharp axe. So a lot of people think, well, that's, that axe is so sharp, it's much more, no, a dull axe is much more dangerous. You know why? Because when you're cut, if you're cutting tree or cutting a wood down, a dull axe will not bite into the wood. A dull axe will bounce. And a lot, I, I know many people that have knocked themselves out or hurt themselves with an axe bouncing off of something and bouncing back and hitting them with it. Or it didn't bite into the wood and it skipped off the wood and they hit themselves. You know, people have cut their legs off, even in today's world, with a dull axe that they that didn't bite into the wood and they missed it and they came down and cut their foot off or cut their leg. That's why my wife won't let me use an axe. I don't own an axe. 
She barely let me keep the chainsaw after I cut myself with that. But a dull ax is dangerous. And can I tell you something? When you're dull spiritually, not only are you danger to yourself, but you're danger to others around you. Because you're not hearing from God, but you're making decisions. You're living life without hearing from God. That's a dangerous place to be. We don't want to have a dull ax. It's dangerous. A dull ax, you can labor more and accomplish less. You'll be really busy. You know, just because your ax is dull doesn't mean you're lazy. You know, it, I heard President Obama say this one time. He, he was talking about redistribution of, of wealth. Uh, but, you know, I noticed that ever since they became multi-multi-millionaires, they haven't bought anybody a big mansion. And when they had that big mansion and that property up north and they delivered all those, those immigrants up there, up north, they didn't open up. They could have housed every one of those people in that home they had. They weren't there. They never offered it. That's the hypocrisy of, of people like that. But anyway, he said this. He said, he said, listen, you didn't become successful on your own, and we know that's not true. That it's, it's a national thing that helps us become successful. There's a vibe about America. We have good roads. We have good trade. There's a, there's a vibe, so we know that no one got there on their own. But at the same time, he made it sound like that it doesn't matter what effort because he said, he said I know hardworking people that are poor. And I'm like, you're right. But I can tell you something. If you're hardworking, but you're not smart working, you'll stay poor. I know people that work their tail ends off, never get ahead. Why? Because they don't use any wisdom. They never take the time to sharpen their axe. So they're busy. Because you have a dull axe doesn't mean you're not busy. Doesn't mean you're not trying to be productive. You're just not wise. What did he say brought success? Wisdom. I always said, he's absolutely right. You can be hardworking and poor because you're not smart working. You need to have both. Hardworking is, I know people that are very smart, but they're not hardworking. They don't work hard. They're poor too. You have to have both. You have to work smart and work hard. So that's why you sharpen the ax. You're gonna work hard, but you're gonna work smart. I know a lot of people, they work very hard, but they don't manage their finances well. They don't know how to manage their finances. They don't manage their emotions, and so they don't manage their finances. They don't manage their life well. Number one cause of poverty in America is divorce. They don't manage their life well. They don't manage their finances well. They don't manage even their work well. They work hard when they're there, but when they're not there, they don't work smart. They don't work smart for their boss. They don't think about, how do I get ahead? How do I move up? How do I own the company? Instead of just work for the company. They're not constantly thinking, how do I promote? How do I move ahead? How do I supply more for my family? That's why you can work hard and not smart and still not get ahead. You need both. He didn't say to throw the ax away and just use wisdom. He said, sharpen the ax and then go get to work. So it's wisdom with hard work. That's what God wants to, that's the point he wants to make. That you need, don't just be busy. Don't just be busy. Because sometimes, man, we can get so busy and then we wonder, what is all this for and what is all this accomplishing in my life? I work so hard. That's when you need to stop and say, hold on a second, I need to sharpen my ax. I'm busy, but I'm not productive. I'm not effective in the busyness. And that's why we need to sharpen our ax. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit and led by God's wisdom. 
Many people work hard, but do not, use it, do not use the wisdom God has given us. He's given it to us openly and freely. I'll give you a Bible. You want some wisdom? I'll give you a Bible. It's full of wisdom. It's the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. It's supernatural wisdom. Let me say this too, that just because the ax is dull don't mean you throw it away. Don't mean you throw it away. You sharpen it. Just because you've made a mistake or someone else has made a mistake, you've sinned or someone else has sinned against you, that doesn't mean you throw everything away. We have this saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because the bathwater got dirty because the baby was dirty don't mean we throw the baby out too. Just because you've sinned or someone else has sinned or you've made a mistake or you've failed or someone else has failed you, that doesn't mean you quit and throw away the ax. No, that even, that even more importantly, and even more, it's even more important in those situations that you stop and sharpen the ax. You put your flesh under and you seek God even more because you need him more in those moments. There's work to be done. There's still things to be accomplished. We need, we need to regain the cutting edge. We need to regain our edge. Church family, your family needs it. You need it. Our city needs it. Our nation needs the body of Christ to regain its edge. Most people, if not all, have lost it at one time or another. But we can take some steps to overcome it. Number one. You, number one step, you cannot dwell on the past. You cannot dwell on past failures. And I'm going to say this. I didn't know if I was going to say this in the service or not, but I talked about it a lot in the first service. You cannot dwell and you cannot hang on to unforgiveness in your life. You cannot hang on to unforgiveness towards yourself for things you're ashamed of, things you did you wish you, you regret heavily, and you cannot hang on unforgiveness towards others and ever have a sharp ax. You'll never be sharp in life. You'll always be dull. Your spirit will be dull and your life will be dull hanging on to that. Satan wants you to hang on to unforgiveness towards yourself or others because he knows this. He knows what God said. God said this, if you don't forgive others the way I have forgiven you, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a period at the end. It's not a question mark. It's not a comma. It's a period. You will not. If you hang on to unforgiveness towards yourself and others, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, if I, being holy, can forgive you, how can you dare, knowing that you've sinned, not forgive others of their sin? When he, the holy God, has forgiven all of us of our sin. And so it's real important that we put the failures of the past we put the unforgiveness and the hurt of the past behind us so that we can live in the present, in God's presence now and in the future. That's the wisdom of God. If you've been dulled by unforgiveness, you'll stay there and God will not move. He, I'm telling you, I've, I've seen it happen time and time again. I've experienced, listen, he will not take you anywhere else until you forgive. You will not take one step forward until you forgive. Every time you come to church, every time you read your word, every time you try to move close to God, he'll deal with you on that issue. He won't let you move past, like, okay, God, let's, let's just move past that. I'm gonna move on to this. Oh, no, there'll be none of that. He'll take you right to that. Why? Because that separates you from him. And he's like, we gotta deal with this before we can move forward. 
And so number one, you gotta put the failures, the unforgiveness, the shame, the guilt, and the unforgiveness towards others, you gotta put it all in your past. That's the first step. Number two, just because you've had a moment of ineffectiveness doesn't mean that you'll stay ineffective. Just because you might be dull right now, or you've been dull in the past, or maybe you've been dull for years. Man, your spirit's been dull. You haven't had any spiritual progress. You've not heard God's voice for a long time. Maybe you've never heard it. Doesn't mean that it's gonna stay that way. You have to realize it can and will get better if you'll stop and sharpen your spiritual axe. Number three, do not live in denial. If you're dull, you need to say, man, this is dull. I'm dull, man. My spirit's dull, my marriage is dull, my routines are dull, my job is dull, and I need to take some time. Number, number four, do not settle for being dull. Number five, get up and start sharpening your axe. How do I do that, Pastor? Number one, you stop and take a break from serving your flesh. You regroup, you regroup. You regroup and you, and you readjust and you start by saying, okay, I'm gonna deny my flesh this stuff, food, whatever it is. I'm not watching TV, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And I'm gonna spend more time with God. I'm gonna readjust, I'm gonna take a break from my normal routine and the stuff that's dulled me and I'm gonna sharpen my spirit. Pastor Sean read this scripture, put God's kingdom first and I'll add. That's what he's talking about. That's what all these scriptures are talking about. Put my relationship with you first and watch. I'll sharpen your spirit. I'll sharpen your life and you'll come out successfully. I'll bless you to be a blessing. Someone say amen. amen. That's what he wants to do. Those are the steps he wants us to take. Go with me to Matthew chapter four. This is so powerful. So Jesus gets water baptized by, by John the Baptist. Even Jesus, John the Baptist said to him, hey, Jesus, uh, I should, I'm not even worthy to, to untie your shoes, man. I, I, you should be baptizing me, not, not me, you. And Jesus said, no, uh, no, no, no. I have to do everything right. And so what was right? He had to submit to, the, to the, the spiritual authority of John to baptize him. John was the baptizer. That was his calling. And Jesus submitted to that calling. The Lord did. Everybody has spiritual leadership. God bless you. Everybody has spiritual leadership. Listen to this. So afterward, it says, after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to experience the ordeal of testing. Who led Jesus? The Holy Spirit led Jesus. To what? To be tested. You know, I wonder sometimes. I don't wonder. I know it's true. He leads me to a place of dullness. He does. He leads me to a place that's like a wilderness that I'm not hearing his voice and I'm not doing, and this isn't happening and this isn't happening. And every time I know, you know what? He's, he's withdrawn from me his presence so that I will press in more. And it's the Holy Spirit leading me there. Sometimes your flesh can lead you to a wilderness. Sin can. But when you know it's not sin, and you know you can feel it's like, God, where are you? What's going on? You know what he's done? He said, I know you right here. I'm going to move over here. You coming? The gap between you and him is that dullness. He's like, I'm over here now. You coming? 
And he wants us to press in. And it's the Holy Spirit leading us to do that. He's the one leading. He's the one leading. And then you notice what Jesus did? He goes to the wilderness, and then it says in verse 2, and after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely hungry. But guess what else he was? Extremely powerful. He looked like a survivor of the Holocaust on the outside because he hadn't eaten food for 40 days. By the way, I always tell people this, you can't not eat food for 40 days. You will be dead in 40 days if you don't eat. So only two people fasted 40 days, Moses and Jesus. That was supernatural, God-led. You're not being led by God to fast. For, if you're not Moses and you're not Jesus, and I don't mean your name is Jesus or Moses, I mean, you're not the Moses and the Jesus. Do not fast for 40 days. You will die. Don't even fast for 31 days. It'll shut down your kidneys. You have to have protein. You have to drink protein shakes. You have to do something or your kidneys will shut down. I almost made that mistake. And I know a man that did that passed away way before his time. He had to end up having a kidney transplant because he didn't use some wisdom in fasting. Use some wisdom. I didn't hear very many amens on that but I want you to. But he was extremely hungry. But guess what else he was? He was extremely sharp. He had denied his flesh for 40 straight days, and yes, he was extremely hungry, but though he looked like a Holocaust survivor on the outside, he looked like the Hulk on the inside. Because when you, when you de deny your flesh, your spirit just takes off and soars. It's hard for me to break a fast. It's hard for me to break a fast because I'm hearing from God so clearly. It's like, man, my ax is so sharp. It's like, man, God, every word I read from your word is just powerful. It's changing me. It's impacting me. I can hear his voice so clearly in circumstance, situations. And I mean, it's just, it's like, man, I don't want to I don't want to eat. The Holy Spirit didn't lead him out there to fail. The Holy Spirit led him out there. He denied, he set an example for us. He denied his flesh for 40 days, but he was so powerful that when Lucifer himself personally showed up to tempt him, he just whacked him around like a five-year-old. Jesus just worked. He's like, I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to show you all the kingdoms. And Jesus is like, oh, you shall worship no God other than God. I mean, he's just slapping him around like a sissy. Why? Not because Jesus wasn't weak physically, but he was strong spiritually. When you fast and deny your flesh and you feed your spirit, oh my gosh, you'll, you'll, man, I'm serious. You can ask my wife. There's times I will have a full, because I usually eat breakfast after when I break a fast. After that Wednesday night, we start on a Wednesday, we end on Wednesday. After that Wednesday night, I go straight home. I make bacon, eggs, uh, sausage sounds good, doesn't it? We need to get that in again, sweetheart, before the fast starts. But uh, I get all that, and I remember I sat down one time, and I'm like, oh, I want to eat this. It smelled so good. And, looks, and it was like midnight, man. I was, it was late. I'm like, I'm, I'm preparing it, and I, I take a while. I got to get my food. I get it just right, and then I'm going I'm to wolf it down. And it's like, no, man, I, it, it, takes, it takes the decision of my will to break a fast because I feel so spiritually connected to God. Fasting will connect you in a way that you'll never, ever experience any other time. 
You think the Holy Spirit set Jesus up to fail? Oh, no, he set him up to win. He fasted 40 days as flesh, so when Satan showed up, the Hulk showed up. Jesus, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ showed up and said, no, it is written, no, it is written, no, it is written. Get out of here. Satan left. It makes you stronger than you'll ever be spiritually. You sharpen your spirit. That's why we start off every new year like this. We don't do it just because other churches do it. We do it because it's a spiritual principle. You want to start the year sharp spiritually. Oh, man, it matters how you start. First impressions are real important. Oh, Jesus won a great victory right here. And this is what happened next. Go with me to Luke 4. Oh, we're just about done, but golly, Luke 4 is so powerful. So Luke 4 right here is talking about the exact same thing that Matthew was talking about, Matthew 4. We know that because if we just read the scriptures above it, like uh, uh, verse 12, it says, Jesus replied, it is also written in the scriptures, how dare you provoke the Lord your God. This is the temptation. If you read up, you'll see it's the exact situation. It says in verse 13, that that silenced the devil's harassment for the time being, so he retreated until a more opportune time. Then Jesus, after all that happened, armed with the Holy Spirit's, what's the word? What's the word? Man, when you come off of a fast and you deny your flesh and you seek the presence of God, you will come out with Holy Spirit power. Holy Spirit power, presence. And when you do that, what happens is not only does he begin to bless and answer questions and help you overcome, not just victories in the moment, but victories a month from now, five years from now will be from that time of fasting. Mark my words. It's short-term and long-term victories will come from that moment, that time. But not only will he do stuff personally for you, but when you're in the middle of that, he's gonna start talking to you about others. Because it's real important. He's going to turn your attention from you. And he's going to turn your attention on those in your family. And those who you need to be praying for. Because when you get in the presence of God who is love. He, he not only teaches you how to love him. But he teaches you how to love yourself. And then what comes next? The love of others. He'll not only bless you. But he'll through your blessings. Bless others. And so the whole process takes place of him ministering to you, filling you up, sharpening your axe, and then you ministering to other people. That's exactly what he wants to happen. He'll make you more sensitive to the people around you. I get so many powerful things for my wife, for my children, and for people in the church. I get powerful words from God when I'm fasting and praying like this. Powerful, dead-on words. And it's like towards the end of it, man, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time weeping before God, not just being emotional, but just praying from my heart for other people. It's amazing how God, you enter in and God begins to bless you. And you immediately, with God, when, you have, when you're led by the Spirit of God, you immediately think about, golly, I'm blessed. I need to bless others. Because that's what God wants to do. He wants to bless you to be a blessing. 
fasting for a short, short season, you need to write this down. Fasting for a short season produces long-lasting effects. A short season of denying your flesh will produce long-lasting effects of spiritual blessings for you and others around you. Last thing I want to say to you is in Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, it's impossible to please God without faith, and this is what faith is. You must believe that he is God, that he is, everything he said in this book is true. He is God, everything he said is true. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In order to fast for 21 days and actually pull it off, you have to believe that there's a reward. There's a reward for it. That you'll be not only blessed for it, but like I said, you'll also bless others. And you'll see blessings not just in 2023, you'll see them in 2024. You'll see them in 3,024 for generations that come after you. We need the edge back, church. We do personally need the edge. Our marriages need the edge. Our children need us to have the edge, and our children need to get the edge. You know, God's not a... I, I, people think, well, that's extreme, man, denying yourself food and doing that is extreme. Man, you, you people at Church on the Move are just extreme. You tithe, you serve, you're always at the church. You're just so extreme. Can I tell you something? God hates lukewarm. He doesn't dislike it. He, hate, he describes it as vomit. I don't know about you, I hate vomit. My wife gags at vomit, so I had to clean up all the vomit. And I don't like vomit. She played the get. I can't do it, I can't clean it up. So I had vomit duty and bad poo-poo duty with diapers. I, she gagged at that too. She played me. <laughs> but God describes it as vomit. He said, if you need a hot and a cold but lukewarm, I'll spew you, I'll vomit you out. Jesus is extreme. He's to the world, he's, a, he's extreme. How dare you tell us we have to deny our flesh this sex or this thing or that thing or that thing? How dare you, God? The Bible says the world hates the things of God and loves the things of darkness. But that's not who we are. We hate the things of darkness and love the things of God. And in order to get sharper and closer to the things of God, we got to deny our flesh and say, you know what? The most important thing in my life is not that, that McDonald's french fry. That, the most important thing in my life is not watching TV. This, I'm setting that all aside, and I'm going to seek the Lord my God. And I'm starting 2023 with the sharpest axe I can possibly have. Not only does your family need it, our city needs it, and our nation desperately needs it. Our state desperately needs Christians to be full of the presence of God and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit.
So they'll come to know him. And we can turn this thing back the direction it should be going. Amen. Listen, every eye closed. Here and online. Man, just remove the distress. So it's more important even online that you close your eyes because usually you're in a place there's lots of distractions. But here too, there's going to be people moving around there. They're going to do something to serve us. Don't be moved by that. Just focus right now. Focus right now. Are you right with God? What do you mean by that? Are you in, is your relationship right? And because God is God and we're not God, he has to have that place in your life that he is, he is God and you're not. The thing I love about our God is he's such a God of freedom. He won't make you serve him. He won't make you receive his blessings. He won't make you receive his leadership. He offers it as a gift. The greatest thing I ever did was submit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him with my life. And not try to be the God of my own life and decide right from wrong for myself, but allow the God who created this universe to tell me what is right and wrong. But he never made me do that. I wanted to do that because I knew it was true. The whole universe shouts there is a God and that he loves us. That the God of the Bible is the truth, not a truth, the truth. And right now, whether you're online or here, if you're not right with him, he's, he's speaking to you. He's pleading through this whole service, through all of us that serve here. He's pleading with you through us that he loves you and he wants to save your life. He wants to save it from you. From you messing it up. Not only your life, but other people's lives around you. He came to save us. He came to rescue us from evil and sin and the penalty of evil and sin, eternal death. He came to forgive us and give us eternal life, but it came with a price. The price was his death, his torture. And serving him comes with a price. And that's our, our life is not our own anymore belongs to him golly when you when you actually put him first it's amazing how your life really begins to take off and become a life worth living and worth giving away it's the only way it can be if you're in here right now you're listening online and you're not right with God you don't have a right relationship with him he's not God He's not God to you. He's not the Lord and master of your life. He's not your king, your high priest. You're still doing it on your own. Listen, that, that means you're not right with him. 
But if you want to be right with the one that loves you, the one that died for your sins, the one that came to rescue you, you can choose that today. He's a prayer away. He always is. Always. That's how much he loves us. He's always a prayer away. Ready to rescue us. Ready to forgive us. Ready to give us eternal life. Ready to give us a life on this planet worth having. Worth blessing others with. Don't wait any longer. If you're not right with God, you've never prayed. You've never prayed to be right with him, but you want to. Oh, what a great start to the new year. It'll be a new you in a new time, in a new place. Or maybe you have been right with him and you, you came back to church today like, man, I got I to gotta get to church this year. I need, I need to have a different year than I had last year. I've been too far away. And you just need to come home. Man, let's pray. It's a, he's a prayer away. Home is a prayer away. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you just need to get right with God right now and you want to. You want to. He wants you to. I'm going to ask you online to send us a message and say, I'm praying for the first time or I'm praying for the next time. I'm going to ask you in this room on the count of three to lift your hand up high and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. Put it up high, acknowledge it, and then put it down. And right where you're seated, we're going to pray. Right where you're at online, we're going to pray. So here we go. Send that message online. And in this room, one, two, three, just put your hand up high and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Praise God. God, man, that's so many. God bless you. What a great start to the new year for you. Man, that's awesome. Thank you. Let's all pray with them that raise their hand, all those online that are praying with us right now or even later in the week. Let's pray right now with them. Everybody say this together. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins and anyone else's that would believe in you. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead and he's alive. You did all of that to rescue me from sin's power to control me in this life and to sentence me in the next. Because I believe that, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins and I receive your forgiveness and I choose today to forgive those who have hurt me. And I say to you, Jesus, my life is not my own. But as you gave your life for me, I give my life for you. And I say to you today, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I receive the Holy Spirit. In your leadership, teach me now how to serve you, how to live life, this life, to the full, till I see you in heaven. Thank you. Thank you. It's a new year. It's a new day. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's celebrate. It's a new year. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.